Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at HBO Max's Locked Down, a new pandemic filmed feature uh, set during the lockdown featuring Anne Hathaway and Chiwetel Ejiofor, I think is... Yes. How you say his name? I can spell it. I can't say it. Um, <laughs> as 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 two estranged lovers who come together uh, when when working a heist to steal a diamond in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we're also talking about One Night in Miami, Regina King's first uh, turn in the director's chair, featuring a fictional telling of four famous uh, black culturalists coming together to. I don't know, hash it out, talk about the future and the past and where they've come from and where they've been and where they're going. We're going to talk about some trailers, some things that are coming out. And the first thing we need to get to is, of course, the news. Our first story this week, The Many Saints of Newark is delayed to fall 2021. This is perfect for us Sopranos fans out there. Andy, are you a Sopranos fan? I I guess you are. (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm a big big Sopranos fan. Uh, I've watched it a couple of times. Uh, great series. Uh, some people say the greatest TV series of all time. Some people say that. Possibly. Um, no, I'm definitely a big fan. And uh, so the, to catch people up, there, Many Sense of Newark is a prequel film that takes place in the like 60s, um, which in the Soprano series, there's a lot of flashbacks to Tony Soprano's childhood, which is in, in the 50s and 60s uh, era. And so it's going to be when he is young and also a, n- a number of the older people in the and the series will then be young men like uh, Junior Soprano or uh, you know a lot of uh, of the other famous people. So it should be pretty interesting. I, I'm looking forward to it. It has been delayed. It was supposed to come out in March. It's going to actually be kicked up to or forward to the fall in hopes of a possible theatrical release. Uh, I am not a Sopranos fan. Uh, I've never really gotten into it. I've tried. I've really tried to watch Sopranos. <laughs> I watched. Season one, definitely in college and started watching season two and just was not into what was happening. Uh, But I know a lot of people are really excited about this movie. It is being written by David Chase, who is the original writer and creator of The Sopranos. So it's very exciting. Got a lot of returning veterans, uh, you know, people who were involved with the show. Uh, Not to mention James Gandolfini's son, right, is playing young Tony Soprano. Yes, he's playing exactly. Who I assume is is this uh, wonderful character we have featured here on stream? Uh, I don't mean to say anything else about this, Andy. <laughs> no, the, the, no, there's not really too much to the story. Yeah, I mean it's a good it's, it's a good announcement. It's, it's, it's a move. It's a move of a uh, you know something that w- that was supposed to come out in in a couple of months, um, and we'll actually have an, another update a little bit later in the show. Yeah, about it, shuffling dates. Warner Brothers has been shuffling dates, yeah, and we'll be talking about that a little bit more in just a couple of stories. But this one's interesting, jumping from uh, what, September to March, right, is is where we're at? No, we no, were we're in going September. From, from March. March, going back to September. Yes. It's so weird to me that movies like this will just sit on a shelf, right? I mean, this says it was mostly done. They didn't really have to stop for the pandemic. There were a few days of reshoots they had to squeeze in last September, but I mean, that wasn't even really... I guess that I think was it has more mo- more yeah. more to do with other films that are going to be released. Yeah, I don't know. It's a fascinating thing. Movies just like sitting on the shelves, collecting dust, waiting but the turn to come this, out. This this does seem to si- in insinuate that like f- streaming is very flexible. Yeah, like you can. I mean, for a big theatrical release, it's a big de- it's a big deal to change it by a week. Mm-hmm. But when you're on streaming, yeah, you can change the date by several months, and you know it's 
not it's not really a big deal. Sure, yeah, why not? <laughs> Except uh, for poor Wonder Woman in those fair popcorn tins, oh, sitting man. Or, sit, sitting around for three or four months. God, yeah, the, the novelty, the the novelty theater merch, right? Like when you go to Cinemark and you get a ticket for Wonder Woman, and they're like, oh, ten dollars extra, you can get a T-shirt, or you can get. For for an extra dollar at the concession stand, you get the, you get the the popcorn tin that says Wonder Woman on the side instead of like a real one. Three months ago, they were giving those things away at Cinemark. They couldn't get rid of them fast enough. Nobody cared. I legitimately threw one in the trash because they didn't offer recycling at Cinemark. I didn't know what else to do with it. They were like, take it home. It's like it's a metal tin. What am I going to do with this? Like, I'm going to use it for throwing up in. I mean, come on, this thing sucks. <laughs> I don't know. Our next story: Chris Evans to, to possibly reprise his role. As Captain America. This is interesting because I was under the impression Chris Evans like is so over doing MCU stuff, but apparently he is nearing a deal to reprise his role in future Marvel projects. Andy, you're the comic book man. What do you know about this? Okay, so reprise his role means a lot of things or can and cannot mean a lot of things. Sure. It does not mean he's doing entire films. He is not going to be suiting up to play Captain America again in like a full length feature. Uh, what he'll be doing is probably making small cameos similar to uh, how Iron Man after the first three Iron Man films, you know, Tony Stark still shows up in th- the rest of the Marvel universe. So it'll be small roles, kind of like how I guess more, more like how Iron Man was in the Spider-Man series. He comes in as a mentor, but he's not like the main thing at all so that's more of what it's going to be it's going to be really small roles still involved but on a much smaller scale yeah it's also really unclear whether or not this is exclusive to film right like there there have been people that pointed out hey you know they're doing a lot of marvel series maybe captain america comes up in one of those briefly um this may be a straight to disney plus thing this doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be appearing on the silver screen nobody really knows marvel issued no comment following this story they had nothing to say about it of course they wouldn't you know why would they um so i don't know i I think it's interesting i i think there's so much potential for like legacy characters in in the marvel universe and dc for that matter all these comic book movies have potential for older actors and actresses to kind of triumphantly return look at michael keaton coming back in the in in what's supposed to be the next bat the the flash movie right the upcoming the flash coming back as batman so captain america returning chris evans showing back up on screen i'm i'm here for it right i I feel the same way about tony stark and iron man like bring him back why not you know make him some kind of mentor later have him show up in a flashback let those actors and actresses make their dollars all right and let the fans get excited about the characters we love i don't see anything wrong with that yeah i I mean i think it's it's a good thing uh everyone loves chris evans everyone loves captain america it's been a very successful character so you, you can't just put him on the shelf no, you got to do something with them. Maybe maybe you let them sit for a few years, but like it just seems like there's so much buzz, right? Like you might as well. Hollywood loves remaking stuff. Why not dip back into the old character barrel, huh? Like, oh yeah, Captain America made money. Let's sign a deal with Chris Evans, get him to do a couple things for us. It'll be great. I don't know. I, I, I don't mind it. I think it's a good thing. I, I think there's plenty of, uh, of room for new stories to be told in the Marvel Universe while also honoring the ones that came before. Our last story, Godzilla vs. Kong moves up two months to March. Godzilla vs. Kong is happening. For those who don't know, it's the most exciting cinematic event ever to happen in the history of film. And uh, it's coming straight to HBO Max on March 26th instead of what would have been, uh, what, May? May, yes. Why would they move this up, right? So, so a couple of reasons. So we just talked about how the the Saints of Newark is moving 
forward to or more moving back to uh the fall and so what you have is the spring without a lot of big releases on hbo max and if you're trying to sell a new service you got to have content and so far you know we had wonder woman for basically christmas through january february there's not really a, a, a new release and so they need something they need content basically if they're going to keep uh, su- subscribers and so this was a big movie supposed to come out in may it's now going to come out in march and so i think that's the main reason that they're moving it forward this is the direct follow-up to godzilla from what 20 or godzilla king of the monsters i'm sorry from 2019 came which out which we did uh, review Two years ago. Yeah, man, talk about a forgettable film. My God. I remember like two scenes from that movie, and that's about it. It's it's this globe-trotting run through the dark to try to keep up with the monster and then subsequently deal with the monster. And you, you could say, well, that's what most Godzilla movies are. But nay, the Godzilla King of the Monsters uh, is something uniquely special. Didn't make our worst film of the year list, but it was close. Yeah, it was it was bad. up there. It was not good. Um, so what's interesting is this movie is definitely following in the direct footsteps of that. It's going to star the same stars: Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Kyle Chandler. We are we are missing uh, Tom Holland from or not Tom Holland. Uh, the people from Kong Skull Island. That's who aren't in this movie. It seems right. Uh, so it, I wasn't sure if that was actually part of this universe, but apparently it is. Um, yeah. So I haven't seen that either. Apparently that that was actually pretty good. So you know that's on, it's th- on it's on HBO. I just saw it the other day. I was like maybe we should watch that for the show because I heard Kong Skull Island wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean Tom they, yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, thing for when it comes out. But yeah, the there is the uh, monster verse essentially that is going to come together in this epic, you know, King Kong versus uh, Godzilla. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how this is going to go. Obviously, Legendary Pictures is putting up a little bit of a stink about it, I think, right? Like, they they definitely had a problem when Warner Brothers said, hey, we're dumping all of our movies from 2021 onto HBO Max same day, because Legendary produces a lot of those, and they were like, well, hold on a second. Like, you had deals with us that say you can't do that right away. We got to work this out, so... It seems like they're at some kind of some kind of agreement, because it's happening, according to this. Uh, what's surprising to me is we haven't seen any... Any marketing material yet? Where's the trailer? Right, like there's no buzz about Godzilla versus Kong, and you'd think this is going to be the 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 match of the titans, right? This is going to be a big deal. Where, where's it at? Well, it seems like when whenever there's a marketing streaming, uh, sorry, marketing strategy for streaming, it seems to be much different. When you have a big theatrical release, you might have six months or longer of a you know marketing campaign. Streaming seems to always be shorter, like. Uh, a big movie might only get a trailer like a month before. So I think we'll probably start to see some things next month, but you don't really need to advance uh, or to advertise too far in advance when it's really accessible online. Yeah. And I know that's like our new reality, but let me tell you, I'm still a sucker for like a trailer that's like six months out. I, I love looking at stuff like that, but Oh yeah, that is not our reality anymore. That's okay. Um, keep it on off script for more. I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, any 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 aspirations for Godzilla versus Kong, <laughs> D? Like it should it should be something incredible, but like I really think it's gonna be um, lukewarm. That's what I think. Yeah. I, well, apparently the the first kind of Godzilla reboot boot from 2014 was it was really good, and a lot of people liked it. And then uh, the follow up that we saw, King of the Monsters, uh, was really pretty bad. So who knows? It it could be either extreme. Yeah, 2014 featuring Brian Kent, Cranston and uh, Aaron 
Taylor Johnson, right? Yeah, that was the 2014 one. That was from Legendary. And then 2019 was King of the Monster. Are those supposed to be like subsequent? Those those are the same? Yeah, yeah that's what like, it's supposed to be the sequel to the... Oh, God. Okay, you'd think I'd know that. All right, that's fine. <laughs> well, keep it here on Offscript for more about Godzilla versus Kong and whatever HBO is doing with their... Um, wacky release schedule either way at many saints of newark and godzilla vs kong will both be coming to the surface same day so i'm excited to watch them whenever they come out i guess and, and we'll likely be reviewing them here with that let's jump into our first review i'm going to be taking the summer on this so please excuse any stumbles the movie is locked down hi paxton we heard london's in total lockdown we are all locked in this psychological prison of burning aloneness how's linda she's somewhere in the house is there some type of issue we are fine. So, Lockdown is the story of Paxton and Linda, two star-crossed lovers that have been in a relationship for over 10 years. They're living together, of course, and have been, uh, you know, getting along okay since the pandemic started. Turns out they've been having some relationship troubles. And at some point, they decided they were driving each other crazy and they were just going to split. So as soon as the pandemic's over, they're both going their separate ways. They're getting their own apartments, their own flats, because they're in London. And they're going to, you know, do their own thing. They're both professionals. Uh, Paxton's just been furloughed. Linda is working from home in a job that she seems to have a bit of a... Uh, a bit of an identity crisis about because she just doesn't really feel like it's for her. They're both wild. Uh, they both like riding motorcycles and listening to loud music, but they've become very refined living in London, being together. And it turns out uh, when, when given the opportunity to possibly steal something, to commit a crime, right? To do something wrong, to, to return to the, the people they once were, the, these wild children of the night, uh, they jump at the chance and find that maybe uh, their love isn't so lost after all. The thing they're stealing, of course, is a priceless diamond uh, from a very, very nice department store in London. And, and, and the stars happen to align where they both have the ability to do it. And throughout the film, they have to fight, struggle, overcome, agree to work together and decide whether or not they're actually going to go through with committing this heist. So that's locked down. Uh, the entire thing was shot during the pandemic. It is directed by Doug Lyman. I'm excited to talk about it. Andy, what did you think of HBO Max's lockdown? Man, this movie was a real struggle. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, first of all, I, and I need to stop doing this, but it's, I saw that it was two hours long. And uh -huh. when when I see the premise and I see the runtime, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that that premise is that is interesting for that long. And I was correct. This is not really a heist film. It's much more of a relationship drama. Yeah. Um, and it does have, you know, some interesting things there. And it is very much about lockdown. And there's, you know, there's Zoom calls. There's day drinking. There's, you know, job losses and, and things. Things that a lot of people are really dealing with. Um, but it is much more, like you said, focus on their relationship it is mostly just involving these two people in their house it is very slow and it and it's too long it, it the heist doesn't start until like 90 minutes in um and that yeah there's just a lot of like talking and discussing and things and it's it, it was different it was difficult for me to get through yeah, I, I feel the same way. What What's surprising about this movie is, one, on its face, it seems like it'd be kind of a fun rom-com, heist kind of movie, right? Committing some crimes, getting getting into some fun. It, it almost looks like The Breakup on Netflix, right? That movie we watched starring Kamal Nandrani and, uh, um, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. But that was like a goofy comedy. They get into some shenanigans. Like, it's going to be kind of a fun movie. Do you remember her name? Issa Rae. That's it. Issa Rae, yeah. I don't know why it took me that long. The Lovebirds. Um, 
Yeah, the lovebirds. Good lord, the breakup. The lovebirds, yeah. <laughs> You'd think it'd be like that, and it's not. It's way more like serious HBO Max relationship and a lot less like fun, goofy heist. In fact, there's there's very little fun to be had in this movie. <laughs> well, I was um, going to say, the, the trailer... It focuses mostly on the heist. That's not what the movie is like at all. No. Uh, and that's definitely definitely a misstep uh, as far as the advertising goes, right? It, what this movie primarily is, I think, is a project to, to work on during the pandemic. Because that's that's what most of this movie is. Most of this movie is our actors, Anne Hathaway and Chiwetel Ejiofor, talking to people on Zoom. Right. Because they shot this during the pandemic. So realistically, they were like, well, we'll have them talking on Zoom and it'll be it'll be cool and like keen and people will will, will be familiar with it. And and there's very few actual actors and actors and extras extras in this. Mostly it's shot in an apartment, except for the bit in the department store where there is very few people because the department store is empty because it's locked down. Like they said it in the film during lockdown. They shot it during lockdown. So everything feels very sterile. Everything feels very removed. And, and I think director Doug Lyman made a mistake here because I think when they shot this probably months ago, they thought this will feel real and this will feel genuine. But when you watch it now, it just feels like almost phony because this is the reality we've all been living in, right? We go to movies to yeah. escape and this movie like embraces it in a way that I don't think is positive. Yeah. It, so it, this wasn't shot that long ago. It was actually shot in September. Um, so still very recent, but yeah, but yeah, I agree. It, 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 um, it, it's, it feels like pandemic exploitation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In a like lot that, of ways. Yeah, they joke about face masks and they have like eight bottles of hand sanitizer sitting on their counter. And like, I, I get it. I get it. But like, it, it, it it's not, I don't think what most people want to see. Like, it's just, it just, it, it's like pandemic exploitation. Yeah, exactly. Like you're yeah. taking advantage of the situation. And that, I that go ahead. I, I was gonna say so. Like one thing is there's a lot of Zoom calls, and like yeah. I have to deal. I have to deal with a lot of Zoom calls in in my real life, and I don't want to see that in a movie. I go to the movies to escape from what we're dealing with, and I don't want to be reminded. And again, like so, you you get a lot of that Zoom call film where it's like fuzzy and grainy, and it's trying to be funny because there's like parts where like it freezes when someone's making a funny face, or someone cuts out, or someone's on mute, like things that we're all kind of dealing with but it just like i'd just rather not see a zoom call on film yeah like, so let's all. let right i agree so let's just kind of jump into the film proper here because i'm i, I know i'm hitting us with a lot of criticisms uh the film is directed by doug lyman which is a surprise uh this is the director of edge of tomorrow the tom cruise films director of swingers uh he's the guy actually producing the sequel to edge of tomorrow and directing it and also that movie where tom cruise is supposed to go to space supposedly he's directing that so this is somebody who's obviously got grand vision, right? This is somebody who can look at a very large picture, very large scope, and take on something challenging. And what he's done here is created something much more sincere, a story about two two people trapped in lockdown, right? And you get a little bit of their employees, you get a little bit of the people they work with. Otherwise, it's just them. It's the two of them bouncing off each other. And you have two great actors to do this, Anne Hathaway, Chiwetel Ejiofor, who are both Pretty good. Both in this Oscar movie. winners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you, you've got you've got a great director. You've got a a couple of great actors who are committed to this. You've got small scope. It seems like you can't go wrong, but you can in the writing. <laughs> uh, our characters are vain. They're very vain and they're petty. And and one of them is a poet, and he is constantly like espousing nonsense. 
into the room. <laughs> in the and they streets. both they both seem like they would be very smart, like sophisticated individuals, right up until they're like trying to steal a diamond, and it turns out, oh, they're not they're not actually really that clever at all. They're 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 kind of like not 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 great people. Um and the movie doesn't make any effort to like remedy that. It just kind of displays them to you as these individuals and that it's it just feels a little lazy and tone deaf considering the pandemic and the problems like the world is facing. Um but it's an interesting it's an interesting line to pursue like a crime in the middle of this, right? To steal something from a place when nobody's looking. I think that's that's interesting, but that's not till like the third act of the film. Yeah, I mean it like I said, the trailer makes it seem like a Ocean's Eleven type heist. Um, but trying to get away from too much criticism, like you said. So, so first of all, if if the movie would have just been a relationship drama and just focused on that, it probably would have been uh, better. So kind of focusing on that part of the film, we have these people that have been in a relationship for 10 years. They've decided before all this has started, they've decided to call, call it quits and kind of move on there. And they're waiting for, at this point, the lockdown was only supposed to be a few weeks. So they're just kind of waiting for the lockdown to be done. And then they'll, they're going to kind of go their separate ways. Uh, Paxton is a very much like a blue collar guy. He has a delivery driving job. Uh, you know, he ro- rides a motorbike. Um, Linda has is like VP or no, she's like CEO of something, uh, London branch, you know, very high, high level management position and very white collar job. And so they're, they're kind of, they've drifted apart They're They, you know, they just, they think that it's over. They want to move on. Um, that's actually pretty interesting. Like I said, if this, if it would have been advertised as a relationship drama, I, I could have gotten on board with it a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, that that's something we were looking at last week. The trailer for Netflix is Malcolm and Marie, right? Like, it is very clearly two people having, having relationship problems. That's the movie, right? Like, you look at something like Blue Valentine, like, that's what's going on. This movie makes a little bit of effort to make that clear in the advertising, but then it really leans on the heist, right? They're stealing something, and they're, get, they're getting up to shenanigans. And, and heists are fun, right? Heist, heists grab attention. People love a good heist. But this movie, like, really just kind of phones it in. Like you don't you don't end up with any kind of like really tremendous heisting at the end of the movie. It's just kind of like social engineering. They just kind of talk their way into this situation and then try to talk their way out. And the end of the movie is whether or not they actually make it. It's up to you to watch it and find out. But um, that's not very exciting visually. It's a very plain kind of film. Um, and it was shot almost all handheld to give kind of movement and, and feeling and emotion to it. And, it, and they've got this wonderful flat that they're shooting in with all this wonderful architecture and, and, and kind of geometry and shapes and colors. Looks like it came out, came right out of Ikea, but it just kind of falls a little flat when like 90 minutes of your two hour picture are just two people hanging out chatting. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get through, right? Discussing like that's, their that's lives challenge. and relationships and yeah. what am I doing with my life? What's it yes. all mean? Uh, um th- there's there's this kind of an issue so Anne Hathaway is uh so one of the things she has to do very early on is she has to fire a lot of people as you know being an executive and she feels really bad about it and I don't know it, it's a very like kind of privileged situation she's in where she's like oh you know I don't like she uh, she essentially gets promoted at one point and, and she's like oh, I don't know I'm this job feels empty and soulless maybe I should just quit and it's like you know if we're watching this, we're like unemployment is a real big issue right now. And you know, the movie and it's in the movie, but it just seems like, you know, it's not a real threat to anyone there. Like no one's actually worried about not being able to pay their bills in the movie. 
Right. Like not at all. They, they live in this like tremendous flat, like that, that's small, but like is, is very nice with like multi-level flooring and this like balcony patio thing with all these plants in the backyard. Like it's a very nice place. It looks, it looks like the director's summer home or something that they went and shot this whole thing in o- over like a week. Um, that uh, along with that, like, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not a fan of this like zoom call thing. I, I know oh, it's, it's more popular now than ever. It, it was a little bit of a thing with like horror films about teenagers who were involved in like smartphones and, and, and technology, right? A few years ago, uh, there, there were a lot of movies coming out of like teens that are like on web, web chats together or webcasts. And this movie leans into that and says, well, it's the pandemic. Everybody's on Zoom. So we get a lot of people appearing on Zoom. A lot, a lot of prominent actors, actually. Mark Gaddis, uh, uh, Stephen Merchant, uh, uh, Ben Stiller appears in this film. Yeah, there's um, a lot of uh, cameos. Yeah, little little cameos and kind of spots uh, from, from actors and actresses who are appearing on Zoom. But, like, it's patently obvious they did not go send out, like, a second camera crew to film these actors and actresses and then, like put their footage into the movie with like good editing and kind of make it look like a zoom and kind of force it. No, they just had them set up like their phones or something. And they were probably like, we'll pay you a grand to film a couple scenes or whatever for us real quick. Do you mind filming this thing? And then we'll splice it all together in editing. And it looks terrible. Like watching, (laughs) watching a zoom call freeze up in like a, a feature film is not in any way pleasant. Like that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't like, immerse me in the film it takes me right out of it and i'm like this yeah, it is takes lazy. me back to my office yeah this is uninspired this is contrived this isn't this isn't cinematic this isn't cinema this is boring um i want more i need more um this stuff's not going to do it for me and this movie is like full of it there are a ton of zoom calls in this movie and maybe that won't be distracting to you but to me it was it was it was brutal man i couldn't take it yeah, I mean, I could understand a, a couple of them, but there's a lot of them, and they go on for a long time. And like I said, you don't you go to the movies to kind of escape what's happening in the world. And I don't want to be reminded of not only what is happening, but like I don't want to be reminded of going to work. And that's what this kind of reminded me of with all these Zoom calls. And it just it just seems really really tone deaf. Yeah, it really does. And and you're right, like people getting fired during the pandemic is like obviously unfortunate, but like everybody, anybody that gets fired in this movie is like a phenomenally high level executive that's getting fired at like their summer home in Aspen. Like it is not any kind of like heart wrenching problem. This is like the, the firstest of first class. And, and while we've got some wonderful locations we're shooting in, I love the look of this movie. I kind of love the claustrophobic feel of, of, of being in lockdown with these people. Like, Ultimately, it just doesn't come across as anything bigger. Now, you did say it is adapted from a play, which makes a lot more oh, no, sense. No, sorry, I didn't know sorry, that. not no, not this. This isn't. Oh, this one is okay. Other, well, this other. is just bad from the get go. Then, all right. Well, then, <laughs> yeah. No, our next sorry. film is adapted from a play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I, I think we could stand to do much better. I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed by just kind of what comes out of this. It was genuinely advertised to be something broader. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Some uh, like I said, they play up the high so much in the trailer, and it's a very small part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Really a shame. Um, I, the music was okay. Like I said, the directing wasn't anything outstanding. Um, I, 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 I wish our actors had a little bit more more meat to chew on. They kind of just don't. I think they're passionate for what they're doing, but they're they're supposed to be two bitter people, right? They're not even they don't even look like they're having fun because they're not supposed to be having fun. They're, they're supposed to be miserable. They're supposed to be driving each other crazy. It's just a tough watch for two hours. It's a big ask in the middle of a pandemic. So, yeah. Any other thoughts for recommendations? I'm ready to move on. Andy, would you recommend Lockdown? 
hard pass. I haven't had a, <laughs> I haven't had a hard pass in, in a while. You haven't I, had a hard I, pass in a while. I was I was thinking I need to be more uh, one side or the other. Uh, yeah. Now this this was a real struggle to get through. Uh, you know, it's a full two hours long. I think a uh, shorter runtime might have helped it uh, not just feel such a struggle to get through. Um, it's mostly a relationship drama. It is not really a heist film. The heist, all that stuff comes way late in the film. And it's supposed to be like this weird um, allegory for their relationship as, as well, which doesn't really work out. The performances are fine. Like uh, Ediofor and Anna Hathaway are really good in, in what they have to do when they're given but it, it just seems really tone deaf like we're still dealing with uh the pandemic people are dying people are you know losing their jobs yeah like it's all these things are still very relevant a little bit too real and, it, and at the end it's not that it's not very entertaining it's not very you know it's it doesn't help you escape from this situation um and it was just too long and it was a struggle to get through so i'm gonna say hard pass same here hard pass um i i it's rare we say hey just completely pass on this film but like there's just nothing going on here that's worth watching there's nothing memorable there's nothing that like there, there's no there's no great like great camera work or solid directing or good scripting or great acting nothing nothing jumps out here that makes me say you have to go watch this movie right now nothing even close um, hard pass. I, 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 it's just like this little, it's like a little indie film. You'd see at Redbox for like $4 and you'd be like, wow, why is the new Anne Hathaway film so cheap? And it's just because nothing's happening here. It's is this inspired. going on worst of the year already? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not, it's just, it's just not good. So hard pass on lockdown, man. We don't hard pass anything on this show. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Usually. Yeah. Yeah, 2021 new people. Anyway, uh, that being said, we need to move on to our next segment. Andy, would you mind giving us the intro, please? It is time for the trailer park. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of trailers. Uh, the first one is called Cherry. Um, and this is a kind of action, not action, it's like a... Action drama heist uh, bank robbery film starring Tom Holland, uh, who plays a young veteran who's uh, come back from uh, overseas deployment, and he's he's really struggling. He struggles with employment. He um, I this doesn't point it out in the trailer, but he he begins robbing banks to uh, get money for his pill addiction, uh, essentially. And oh, so so. It, that it doesn't say that in the trailer. That is the the summary, though. But uh, the trailer looks r- really pretty good because it's a lot of him robbing banks, um, you know, being essentially being abandoned and also trying to be in this relationship with this girl that he's obviously very in love with. But as well as balancing like being a veteran and whatever war or conflict he was involved in and PTSD. There's a lot going on. This looks really good. I'm pretty interested in it. What do you think? I'm definitely interested in what this movie's doing. I, I don't like the platform it's on, but I can talk about that in a second. I like <laughs> that it's the Russo brothers, right? Like, not only are they popular for the Avengers, um, more recently with Netflix's Extraction, that was a pretty solid little action movie they produced. Uh, this is something they are formally directing, right? I'm pretty sure they, like, full-on are directing Cherry, I think. Um, and, you know, hey, Tom Holland's great. I like the idea of of our young, innocent typecast Spider-Man being put in compromising positions where he has to be the bad guy. It's interesting, right? Uh, looking at this trailer, it reminds me a little bit of like Hell or High Water, especially with the bank robberies. But people who are likely not necessarily bad people doing bad things for what they think are good reasons makes, makes for good tension, makes for good filmmaking. So 
I'm interested. I uh, I don't want to have to get a stupid Apple TV Plus subscription to watch it, but if it's for the show, maybe I can get Andy to do it and I can go over and watch it at his place. Maybe that's... <laughs> Maybe yeah, that is the one big downside is uh, this is coming to Apple TV Plus, uh, which is kind of difficult to get to. We've complained about this before. Um, I have to, you know, watch some, connect something or like download it to my computer, then connect it to my TV, something to watch it. Uh, Zach would have to watch it on his phone yeah. <laughs> it, itself. So uh, that that's pretty lame. But I, th- I think they are developing apps for some other devices, which should hopefully make it easier. But that's the one big downfall. But this does look really good. And I, I like Tom Holland a lot. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, the next trailer we're talking about is a Netflix film called I Care A Lot. The trailer came out for this just the other day. It stars Rosamund Pike as a uh, what appears to be a doting legal guardian for senior citizens who uh, unexpectedly turns out to be essentially ripping them off. Right. Taking older senior citizens who are assigned by the court uh, to be not able to take care of themselves. She puts them in, a, in, a, in an old folks home. She takes all their money. She pays out whatever they're going to need for the rest of their lives. And she keeps the rest and she meets her match when uh, surprisingly she comes across a woman who does not quite fall for her swindle. And in fact, introduces her to a heap of problems. Rosamund Pike appears to be playing a bit of her, bit of her gone girl character, right? This kind of charming woman who under the surface turns out to be a little bit more than meets the eye. And I'm excited to see this. It's, it's by the writer and director of, uh, the descent part two and the movie, <laughs> the fifth wave. And more recently, HBO's gunpowder. It's that show starring Kit Harrington. It was like three episodes. It came out after game of Thrones where he plays somebody involved with the British revolution. Writer and director seems like a long shot. Rosamund Pike seems like fun. Uh, just pretty solid trailer. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, it looks interesting. I, I watched this trailer a couple of times. I didn't really like it the first time or the second time. It kind of grew on me. Um, yeah, she is c- kind of playing a similar to like her amazing Amy character in uh, Gone Girl. Uh, what's interesting is, is we also see, um, oh, what's now a camera? Uh, Tyrion Lannister or <laughs> Game of Thrones. Oh, gosh. Peter, yeah, Peter Dinklage. Peter, yeah, Peter Dinklage. Dinklage shows up as well because apparently uh, she she inadvertently gets involved with some gangsters and uh, led by Peter Dinklage. So we get to see Peter Dinklage being a gangster. That looks like a, lo- a lot of fun. Um, this looks interesting. I'm glad it's, it's coming out on Netflix. It seems perfect. It seems like a Netflix movie. 100%. Uh, whereas Cherry seems like a film that could come out in theaters. I Care A Lot definitely seems like a straight-to-streaming number, and a good one at that. Like, not not something, you know, shoddy. Like, it seems like, it, seems like a well-made film, so... I don't know. I'm interested, I guess. Yeah, and those are both coming out next month on streaming. Yes. Cherry will be available on Apple TV Plus on February 26th. I Care A Lot will be available on Netflix on February 19th. With that being said, Andy, uh, do you want to take the summary on our final film, I suppose? Yes, I will. One night in Miami. Ready for tonight? I'm as ready as a person can be. After the fight, we're all coming back here for the champs victory party. Don't be late. Minister Malcolm X. Good news, the chariot is coming. You know I'm the greatest. That's right. Jim Brown takes the ball. Your record is going to stand the test of time. How's everybody feeling tonight? All together, yeah. So this is a new film from Regina King, her directorial debut. It's based on a play by Kent Powers, and it features um, a kind of a fictional night that that happens in the early 60s, uh, featuring four prominent members of the civil rights movement, uh, Malcolm Epp, Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke. 
Um, like I said, it's based on a play, and it's most it mostly f- features these four um, figures of, of the civil rights movement talking about the movement, the past, the present, the future, what it, what it means, what's happening, what they're all doing, what they can be doing, maybe what they should be doing. So it's it's very dramatic. Uh, it's a long, it's a long film, um, but there's a lot going on in there. That, but that's our summary. Zach, what do you think? So I liked a lot about this movie. Um, I think I would have liked the play more than I liked the film. Uh, Regina King does a fine job as her first seat in the director's chair. She's got framing down. She's got color. There's a little bit of movement, but nothing really exciting as as far as the camera work goes. Nothing that really jumps out at you. It's basically four guys hanging out in a room chatting for most of the film. A little bit like lockdown. Um, and and that's a little disappointing because the subject matter is so interesting. All four of these characters, I mean, they're heroes. I mean, they're 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 legends of black culture. Um, they're very exciting. And, and as I watched the film, the more I, I got to thinking, man, these guys are really great. And, and, and I'd like to know more about them. Uh, the film does not do a lot of service to telling the story cinematically. Um, it's just a little, a little, a little flush that way. But uh, I think the subject matter is really interesting. I, I really enjoyed the performances. I think Regina King is great at getting those out of people. And I am excited to talk about it. So, where do you want to start talking about this? Um, well, uh, let's just start at the plot. So, we, we do start in in uh, kind of in Miami at uh, the title fight where uh, Muhammad Ali fought uh, fought and defeated uh, Sonny Liston. This is where we start, and all our four figures are there, and they eventually end up back at a, a hotel room. It takes us a while to get there. It takes about, about a half hour for everyone to get back to the uh hotel room um like i said the trailer makes it seem a lot more cinematic and i agree with you like it is difficult making a play be cinematic because plays by their nature only have you know very limited sets um so (laughs) unfortunately the movie also has a very limited set and mostly takes place in the hotel room but they all finally get back and they start discussing what is happening within the movement what is changing Uh, we learn that this is right before uh, Cassius Clay would become Muhammad Ali and join the Nation of Islam and convert to, uh, or to be a Muslim. Um, so there's a lot going on in here, but it is similar to to lockdown. There's a lot of talking in a, in like one room, um, and it's it's a bit of a struggle. <laughs> Yeah, fortunately, the subject matter is a little bit more interesting than one person's relationship, right? We're juggling multiple relationships, uh, as well as, uh, you know, characters who represent a larger culture, one that's been suppressed, one that's had trouble succeeding in America. And these are four very successful um, black black men who, <laughs> one way or another, have accomplished what they set out to do, but, but find themselves still challenged, right? It's not as easy as just being an artist and recording a song, maybe you have to say something or, or in Malcolm X's case, you know, it's, it's not so easy to find fame. Sometimes you have to, to speak your mind and maybe it'll come to you. Um, and some people don't take you seriously. Each one of these individuals has their own motivations, right? They're, they're, they're their own people. Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay, as he is in this film, right up until the end is a title fighter. He's like 22 years old in this movie, which is no way his actors 22. Eli Gorey is not 22. There's no way. Aldous Hodge plays Jim Brown, a, a star football player. One of the best in, in the league up at that point, Leslie Odom Jr. Plays Sam cook, a brilliant blues uh uh i guess not blues r&b 
uh, artist uh, who has turned out many a hit uh, that you've probably heard even to this day, if you're not familiar with him. And Kingsley Benadir plays Malcolm X, who is tremendous. All four of these guys are great. I love their characters. I, I I love the way they 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 quarrel and fight and agree and side with one another to to ultimately try to come to some kind of consensus on what it means to be black in America. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah, w- one of the things that that's interesting is that uh, the play or the the film focuses on a tr- on transition because they are all at a point in their career where things are going to change. We have Malcolm X is going to be leaving the nation of. of of Islam to start his own organization. Um, Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay is going to convert to to Islam and join Malcolm X in whatever he's, he's doing. Uh, Jim Brown is thinking of quitting the NFL and uh, possibly c- pursuing a career in Hollywood. And Sam Cooke is someone who has found success, but is, is looking to say more with, with his art. So kind of this transitioning in, in all of these, these characters lives is, is one of the interesting parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, it's a shame. This is fiction. <laughs> I know it's based on a play. It's obviously based on true events. It says at the beginning of the end of the film, it's based on very real people. Um, but it's such an interesting idea and it's a shame it never happened because if there was a little bit more to root this in reality, if maybe the four of them had hung out for a few hours in a hotel, it'd be really intriguing to think what they had said. But for all we know, uh, these guys never even met. Like, I don't know that Jim Brown met Sam Cooke. I, I, they probably did. Um, they were definitely alive all at the same time. But like, who knows if this stuff really happened? But regardless of that, the fiction told is interesting. There's there's really, really cool character development here. There's, there's, there's really cool growth. There's really cool frustration and anger expressed at one another. Uh, uh, Malcolm X is upset at the way that Sam Cooke has been doing music because he says, you're just, you're just singing other people's songs. You're not actually saying anything about the black struggle. And Sam Cooke is frustrated, like, well, why do I have to say anything? And who are you to tell me, right? You're not even famous. What have you accomplished? All you do is get out, get up, get up on a stage and spout rhetoric next to famous people. And that elevates your status, but you don't actually have any skill. You don't actually have any growth. I, I, I love that. Like, I, I love the quarrels. I love the debate. Like, that's some good pulpy character stuff. And I love that these guys are in a closed environment to do that. And they don't have external forces telling them who they can and can't be. They decide that for themselves. And that makes for some really interesting writing. And I think it's well done. I think the play by Kemp Powers is probably really good stuff. I'd like to see it at some point. Yeah, that's how I felt as well, is that this would make, this is probably a really great play and i would love to see the play it just doesn't transfer to film very well yeah um i i don't think regina king does a bad job though i think it's a fine first out i think she needs more she needs more action she needs more dollies under that camera she needs more whip <laughs> hands and like sna- you know snapshots and like she needs a little bit more technique i think the bones are here for something great i'll be excited to see what she does next um but this just falls a little flat in the director's chair, I think. But it's okay. It's a first. It's a first swing at it. It's a hopeful first start. That's what I. Yeah, think. It, I was going to mention once again runtime. Um, it's pretty long. It's full two hours, and again, yes. it's, it's it's two hours of mostly being in a hotel room. Um, so I, I think the script could have been tightened up, and it could have been a little bit shorter. And you got to find a way to make this cinematic. Uh, another film, Fences, uh, that that we reviewed a. Uh, a couple, several years ago with Denzel Washington suffers from the same problems. That film mostly takes place in someone's backyard because that's what happens in the play. But when things are film, they got, they got to make it more like a movie. Ma Rainey's black bottom is actually a really good example of that where 
A, it was shorter. It was 90 minutes. And it felt cinematic enough to not make me think, oh, this is definitely a play. Yeah. Um, look, looking at this week's kind of slate of films that we were watching, it's definitely... It, it's it's easy for Andy and I to get jaded about runtimes, but like real talk, <laughs> your movie's got to be pretty good to be longer than than ninety minutes. Like you gotta, it's got to be tight. And this movie doesn't quite hit it. it. It could be shorter. There's some good development at the beginning and the end, like you said. The the the, the front is almost like front loaded with a half hour of not the actual conflict of these guys not together. It's just the build up and explaining who they are, which is important, of course. Um, but the ending kind of in a similar way kind of caps it with like kind of this 10 minute interlude of, of growth and change and how these characters develop. But like, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I don't mean to say it doesn't feel very conclusive, but it's not supposed to be right. It's one night in Miami. It's not supposed to be a beginning, a middle and end of a story. It's, 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 it's us taking a look at what could have been the middle of all of these men's stories. And in that way, it doesn't fail. It just doesn't feel particularly satisfying. By the time it got to the end, I expected some kind of a, a, a larger resolution, more growth. And I didn't I didn't quite get that. But you might have. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, it, it definitely it feels more like the beginning, like that. The, it feels like the beginning of something. Yes. Um, with all these very important figures talking, talking about the future, talking about the struggles of black America now and what is and isn't going right and what needs to change and by the end of it like again it feels like the beginning uh, of something big but not you don't really get a satisfying conclusion like i agree with that no and and you know as far as the rest of the film goes like i said i think it's shot fine i enjoyed the music i'm a big sam cook fan so that's easy you get sam cook in a movie you get leslie odom jr uh famous from hamilton of course uh singing mm -hmm. all of sam's sam's parts in the film uh i mean it's pretty solid Pretty solid. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I enjoyed this kind of look back at history, even if it's a fictional retelling. Ultimately, I did like this movie. I certainly liked it more than Lockdown, but it's not perfect. It's got problems. And and I think that's worth noting. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a very important film. Um, and it, again, is it's looking, even though it's looking at the 60s, a lot of these, uh, the topics they talk about, the situations are, are still very uh, relevant to today. Yeah. Any other thoughts before recommendations? I think I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend One Night in Miami? I think if you're interested in kind of this period in history, if you're interested in these characters and like civil rights history, I think it is uh, pretty interesting. I do think it it is it was a little difficult for me to get through because it is pretty long and it is mostly four people talking in a hotel room. So that's just that's just a struggle to get through, and it's not it's not super cinematic. Like I said, I think it probably works a lot better as a play. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think it has more value than something like Lockdown. I wouldn't I wouldn't say a hard pass, but you got to be looking for something specific when you come watch One Night in Miami, right? I'd say if you're looking for, yeah, a story of black culture, uh, certainly a story about black heroes. I, th I think this is really good. If you had uh, maybe a, a young son or daughter who didn't know a lot about Malcolm X or Sam Cooke or, 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 or Muhammad Ali, this might be a cool place to kind of give them a little bit of a primer as to who these people are. They're all played brilliantly. I think there's a lot of passion in the roles. I think there's a lot of passion in the writing. But ultimately, there's not anything to like write home about here. There's nothing that, that says stop what you're doing. You got to go watch this movie right now. It's pretty good. I'd recommend it for somebody who is looking for something a little drier, maybe a little less action, a um, bit more of a bit more of a character drama. I'd say you could do well with this movie. Certainly better than Lockdown. It's available on Amazon Prime and um, 
Andy, I think that's our show. <laughs> I think that is. <laughs> yeah. What are we watching next week? Uh, so we're actually going to be taking uh, the week off. There's not a lot of new releases. Um, that a lot of times happens in longer months or when you have a lot of weekends on in one month. Uh, the, the streaming releases get kind of weak towards the end. So uh, skipping next week, uh, but we, we will be looking forward to uh, The Little Things, uh, which is going to be on January 29th on HBO Max, which is uh, the it's with Denzel Washington and Jared Leto. It's a serial killer cop procedural drama yeah and rami malik is like Denzel that's Washington's right. buddy cop. Hey, it could be cool i'm a little skeptical the more i see trailers for that movie the more i'm like this looks way drier than the trailers imply like it looks like it's just gonna be like a really quiet solemn thing and not like seven and i don't i don't need it to be seven but like give me something between like seven and prisoners <laughs> right with hugh yeah. jackman like something right in there i'm into like anything less than that it's just going to be boring as toast but we'll see uh i'm excited to watch it i'm glad we're taking the week off It'll be a nice break and um yeah i guess that's our piece if you enjoyed the show today you can find us on facebook where we live stream the show every single tuesday except for next week when we're off uh you can find us on youtube where we archive our streams we're on instagram we're on twitter we got a website uh offscriptfilmreview.com and you can mail us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com right in right into the show all right we'll read your correspondence on the air we swear no cursing it's a family-friendly show uh tell us what you thought of these films tell us what you want us to watch right give us your top 10 list of the year we'll check it out we'll talk about it why not we'll make a whole segment out of it it'd be great maybe we'll have you on we'll invite you <laughs> but if you want to do anything for the show if there's something you can do to help us out please just subscribe just subscribe to the show on your favorite platform youtube itunes google play spotify anywhere you're at and uh it'll help us tremendously you don't even know how much it'll help us you could also rate and review the show that'd be huge as well but we appreciate you listening either way the show would not be possible without each and every one of you so thanks for tuning in gang and um from all of us at off script the home of bold cinema i'm zach lewis and i'm dr draper thanks for listening